0: I'm Lacey. I'm an alcoholic. Lacey. Get this situated here. Christina, thank you so much for asking me to speak. Um, Christina is a dear friend of mine, and um, friendships that I have today are, are a blessing of working the realm of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so, it's an honor for me to get to share my story with you guys tonight. Um, I want to welcome the 18 newcomers, the 18 people who identified, uh, welcome. Um, If this is your first time, uh, I hope you hear something um, that speaks to you. And and if it's not your first time but you're back, welcome back. Um, That was my story. This is not my first time sober. Um, And my sobriety date, I guess I'll start there, is uh, September 28th of 2015. Um, So I'll have... God willing, four years in September. Um, it's not my first time sober. I had four years at one point. Uh, but all that matters is today, and today I'm sober. So um, I, uh, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I do. I'm one of those people that loves Alcoholics Anonymous. This program's given me a life. Um, a life. I did not have a life when I got here. On September of 28th of 2015, I, I did not have a life. Uh, and I was thinking about my day today. and I woke up, and I pet my pug, and I got a cup of coffee, and I talked to God. And um, and then I went to a chili cook-off a fundraiser for H&I and um, was around a bunch of sober people <laughs> and went home and relaxed, and now I'm here at a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And when I got here, my, my days off did not look like that. My days off were spent in bed with a bottle of vodka, um, contemplating how I was gonna kill myself or if I could get the courage to kill myself. And and I didn't have a life, my my entire life was consumed with how much I could drink that day, when I could drink, where I could hide my alcohol from my husband, where I had hid my alcohol from the night before. Um, And it was a constant battle uh, with alcohol. And I don't have that today. Um, I have freedom today. So uh, I will start, I guess, a little bit with what it was like. I grew up in an alcoholic home, um, born to two alcoholic parents who did the absolute best that they could with what they had. And I know that today um, because I learned that in AA. Um, they, My dad is more of a binge, periodic drinker. He would stop for periods of time, I remember. and But as soon as he picked up that drink again, and he always picked up that drink again, um, we didn't know what was going to happen or how much he was going to have. And my mom is more of a the alcoholic of the hopeless variety that's talked about in the book, you know, which, which is what I became. Um, so there was a lot of chaos and turmoil from my earliest memories. Um, I was restless, irritable, and discontent from my, my earliest memories. I was I was uncomfortable with who I was, what I was. Um, and I just wanted to feel different. And I didn't realize that was a spiritual malady, um, which is part of, you know, what I learned about in this program. I had a spiritual malady. I had something missing um, in my soul, and I felt it so deep in my soul uh, my entire life, you know, until I found alcohol. And alcohol worked. It worked so well for a long time. Um, and so, so one of my earliest memories, I remember I, I it was in kindergarten, I believe, and, and a kid – came to school with a cast on, and um, I was so jealous of his cast because he had, like, people signing it. He had all this attention, um, and I'm like, I want that. I want what, I wanted what he had. <laughs> and so um, I spent the next week trying to jump off the highest part of our wraparound deck trying to break my leg because I wanted the attention that he got from having a cast on his wrist. And I don't feel like normal five-year-olds do that. Like, I don't feel like that's normal, you know? And so looking back on my life, I had this, I had this malady um, from my earliest memories. And so being in the alcoholic home, it was, like I said, a lot of chaos, and I didn't want to contribute to the chaos. And so I, I got really quiet and really small. Um, and so I, I never voiced any sort of feelings that I had. And I became this little ball of rage um, they couldn't the rage couldn't go anywhere and finally it would explode and my my mom and sister would call it shrieking oh Lacey shrieking again um, <laughs> But I just I, I I didn't know how to express what I was feeling, you know, and um, and so <clears throat> I carried on like that this little ball of rage um, for a long time and uh, Never felt like I fit in anywhere. I was I was made fun of like like I was bullied really badly and um, that, that played a huge part in my self-worth and self-esteem um, that didn't exist really anyways. Um, but I came home crying from school every day. And so long story short, <laughs> with the childhood, um, my first drink was at 11. Um, I was at a friend's house. Her parents were going out for the night. They left us one Zima each um, in the fridge. And uh, <laughs> we were so excited. And so I, I remember drinking that Zima. And I remember the warm delicious feeling that I felt as I drank it, and then it was gone. And I looked around to my friend, and they, you know, were carrying on with their life, and all I was doing was thinking about, where's where's the next one? And I didn't know why I was thinking that. I know now it's because um, once I take a drink, I trigger a mental obsession and a physical allergy. Um, but at 11, I didn't know that, you know? And I didn't become a regular drinker after that. Um, I don't think I drank again until 15. Um, but I I had a reaction that I liked. Um, and so, my first real drunk was at 16, I believe, 15 or 16. Um, it was New Year's Eve, and um, I was with the cool kids, because I was always trying to be with the cool kids. And uh, we were at a party, and the guys we were with were like, hey, do you want some beer? And I said yes, and I I, I drank it, and I blacked out. And I don't remember much of that evening. Um, but I do remember that every single fear Worry, anger, every, everything drifted away, and I was this person that I'd always wanted to be. Um, I was alive, and I could talk to you, and I could look you in the eye, and um, I was funny, and I was cute, and everyone wanted to hang out with me. This is my perception of it. Um, and, <laughs> and, um, and it was magical, and I chased that feeling for a very, very, very long time. Um, and I never drank like a lady. I never drank to have a couple drinks. Um, I always drank for oblivion. Um, and so I believe that I was an alcoholic from the beginning. I, I, I don't know that I ever crossed a line because I feel like I was always over it. Um, that's not everyone's story, but that's mine. Um, so from that point forward, I drank as often as much as I could, which wasn't as much as I would have liked. Um, we lived in this, I'm from Montana, and I grew up in Montana. and. Um, so we lived, we lived um, like 12 miles outside of where all my friends were, and so I didn't get to party as much as I'd like, um, and I didn't have a ton of consequences as a, as a high school student. I managed to graduate high school and um, ended up dating this guy my senior year who hated drinking and everything about it, and so he became my addiction, and I ended up not drinking for about a year, um, and so. I went to college for like 13 seconds. I think I went. <laughs> I think I went. Um, I think I. I think I maybe made it a semester. Um, but in that semester, I found I found some people that drank like I did, and um, and so I started drinking really heavily then. And and the boyfriend was going to school as well, and um, I, it started to cause issues in our relationship. And um, I didn't realize it was the alcohol at the time, but uh, but I know that now. So. Long story short, um, 22 years old and I'm back living with my mom because I've ruined the relationship with the love of my life because I can't stop blacking out and I can't stop hitting him and being violent with him and becoming this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde that I become when I drink. And um, I'm bartending because bartending amazing job for an alcoholic like me. And uh, I work for these people that are, I respect them much. Um, and I had never lost a job through, through you know, the, the stomach pumps and the, um, the blackouts and the lost friendships and the lost boyfriends. Um, I had always managed to keep a job. And so for me that was like my mark. Like I haven't, that hasn't happened yet, you know. And um, so I'm bartending, and I'm dating this guy who uh, used to be a heroin addict, but he only drinks now. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and he had been through treatment, so he knew about Alcoholics Anonymous. I knew nothing about it, but he saw how I drank, and he knew people who drank like I did. And um, so we were at his house in Georgia one Christmas, and he, he pulls out this book from the back of his closet. He's like... It's, it's a blue book, and um, he's like, this is, this book is called Alcoholics Anonymous, and I think there's a program, too, but, like, you should just read the book. It's, like, a good read, and um, and that was my first introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous. I did not read that book, but it's the first time I had ever heard about this book, so. Um, I'm 22 years old, and I'm bartending, and I'm, I'm, I get to drink while I bartend, which is magical for someone like me, and... Um, and uh, one night I, I overshoot the mark one more time and I throw a drink in one of our customers' faces. And um, and, and, and then I blacked out and um, woke up the next morning feeling like something maybe bad had happened um, but not sure what it was. And I, I went to work that afternoon after a couple more drinks because I was really hungover. And uh, and my boss pulls me in his office and he's like, do you remember what happened last night? And I, I said no. And, And he's like, well, you left your shift with a bunch of customers in the bar and the till with thousands of dollars just open and and money flowing out of it. And and, um, he's like, you know, this is the last straw and I'm going to have to let you go. But he said, I recognize what you have and you have a disease. Um, You have a disease of alcoholism and um, I see potential in you and... And I'm willing to help in any way that I can. Here's my personal cell phone number. When you're ready to get help, call me. And so I went home that night and, and partied really hard and woke up the next morning. And for some reason, my first phone call was, was to Josh. And, um, and he got me help. And, and I ended up. Detoxing on my own for like four days I think it took to detox. I, di- I didn't realize at the time it was a detox, but looking back now it for sure was a detox and I probably should have been in a medical detox, but I wasn't and in, in, um, I was in Kalispell, Montana and I, I don't even know that they had a, had a detox at the time. Um, however, uh, went to my first meeting and that was on uh, January 26th of 2009 and I I, Went to Alcoholics Anonymous and I got a sponsor, like they said, and, and I worked the steps. And um, my sponsor had about a year and a half when I started working with her, and her name was Gwenda, and she was a lovely woman with a little six-year-old boy. And um, and so I worked the steps with her, and 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 I worked them hard, and my life changed, and my life got better. And that that job that had fired me hired me back as an assistant manager, and then promoted me to general manager of one of the restaurants. And life was going really well, <clears throat> and then. I got a phone call, and Gwenda had relapsed, and I was devastated, and um, I was I was lost. I hadn't made connections in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, like they told me to. I didn't have the connections, and so I started drifting away a little bit, and then about a month later, I got a call, and Gwenda died um, from this disease, and she had had gastric bypass a few years before, and... and um, I guess when you drink and you've had gastric bypass, it's not a good combination and her little six year old boy found her on the floor, and um it was devastating, you know, and I remember being at her funeral and and um not being mad at Alcoholics Anonymous, but being really mad at her for leaving me like that's how selfish I am, you know it's always all about me so I didn't get a new sponsor after that. And about three to six months later, I got an offer from the job that I was working, the same job that had fired me two years before, to move to Missoula, Montana, which was about two hours away, and to open this new restaurant of theirs. And I said yes. And so I moved to Missoula, and I opened this restaurant, and I never get connected back in AA, and I never get a new sponsor. And I start running compulsively. And so I ran, like, one time in my life, and I liked it, so I decided to sign up for a marathon because... (laughs) I'm either sitting on the couch eating a bag of Oreos or running a marathon. There is no in between for me. There's no gray area, um, and so running became my new, my new thing, you know, and um, and so uh, eventually, about two years into into not working a program and being a dry drunk and. Um, just being completely restless, irritable, and discontent. Because that uh, kind of alcoholic that I am, if I'm not working a program, if I do not have a sufficient substitute for my alcoholism, I'm going to drink again, or I'm going to blow my head off. There's there's nothing else for me. Um, I don't have, I cannot live um, with something to, to fill that void in my soul. And so that void was, was empty again. And so after two years um, of, of grasping on to every tool I knew from the first two years I was sober, um, that drink looked really good and I planned my relapse. And um, and I planned it and so I, I rented a hotel room and I knew I was going and, and my that boyfriend, who was a heroin addict but, but only drank, um, we were still together and he came with me because he was like, you know, maybe you weren't an alcoholic. Maybe you were just young. Um, maybe you can drink like a lady. And so we went, and I was telling a friend earlier, I had a dirty vodka martini, um, extra olives, and I remember drinking it, and I remember just feeling this sense of ease and comfort that comes from a few drinks, you know, drinks we see others take with impunity, and, and, I, and I could breathe again, because I hadn't been working a program. Um, I had no sufficient substitute. And so I was off and running, and for about two and a half years, I just completely completely destroyed my life um, and that again, that guy he proposed to me about a month after I relapsed, and so I thought for sure that um, drinking like made me cooler and, and better and somebody that that he wanted to marry and so that didn't help at all either but um I ended up marrying him in my relapse and spent. I, I literally planned my wedding in a blackout and spent <laughs> an incredible amount of money on things that I was surprised about when the wedding came, <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, uh, and so, so anyhow, I I had been promoted once again because. Because I didn't tell I didn't tell my bosses that I had relapsed. They knew, everyone knew. Um, but again, my drinking became this thing where it was like, where did I hide my vodka? Which water bottle has water and which has vodka? Where where did I leave that bottle from last night? Um, how can I drink without my husband knowing? Um, literally going to different garbage cans in the alley because my husband would look. He would look and see where like what bottles were where, and so it became this completely compulsive. Exhausting life, um, and I, I, I got to the jumping off point, and I couldn't live with alcohol, and I couldn't live without it. But I knew Alcoholics Anonymous was there. I knew it was there because it worked for me before, and and that was never gone. I never, I never thought Alcoholics Anonymous didn't work. I knew that I had stopped working it, um, and so I, uh, one night in a blackout, I, I drove home and. Um, I don't remember much of it. I do remember hitting something and thinking, please, God, just either let me die and get into a car accident and die or get arrested. Just let something happen to intervene because I cannot stop. And um, I woke up the next morning, and I was in my car in my garage and, and um, just all disheveled. And I didn't know where my purse was, and I'm looking around. And I get out of my car. My purse is over on the other side of the garage, and and I remember thinking that's weird. And I go to my purse, and there's a I see a ticket, like a traffic ticket, and um, it says, and again I have no recollection. It says leaving the scene of an accident, reckless driving, failure to report an accident. And I'm like, why am I? not in jail, <laughs> you know. And so it turns out I had, I had hit my neighbor's garage, and there had been a cop following me. And I hit my neighbor's garage and managed to get into my garage and close the door, which was a detached garage, Close the door uh, without getting arrested. And the cop um, comes into my yard with a flashlight. My husband was sleeping, and he sees a flashlight because our dog is barking. And um, he sees the flashlight, and, and it's Montana, so everyone has guns in Montana. And so my, my husband thinks somebody's trying to rob us, and so my husband grabs his gun and comes downstairs and opens the door with his gun in hand, and the cop pulls the gun on my husband. And, and so my, my, my husband and the cop are pointing guns at each other, and, and I'm in the garage asleep, just fast asleep. And, and this is what I do to people. You know, I'm a tornado, and I run through people's lives. and And so apparently what happened was the cop was like, was your, was your wife drinking tonight? And my husband was like, I don't know, I wasn't with her. And the cops said, let me into the garage. And my husband said, I've watched enough Law and Order to know that you need a warrant. And, um, <laughs> and so the cop wrote me a ticket for what he could. And um, my husband uh, told me if I didn't stop drinking, he'd leave. And so I quit drinking for a little while. And, um, and I went to AA and I was miserable. I was. So, I wasn't ready. I was not done. Even after that, I was not done. And and worse things have happened. You know, I can I can talk about my drunk log for for hours, um, but I wasn't done. I could not concede to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic and and that um, and that I needed this program and I needed you guys. I could not. I could not admit that my ego would not let me. And so I stayed sober for a little while and again, like, picked up that drink and tried to hide it from everyone and. And so, um, fast forward to September of that year, and I, and um, my my last drink wasn't my worst drink. Um, I I had quit that job as the regional manager for that company because they found out they found out about my drinking and they confronted me on it and said maybe you need a meeting, Lacey. And I said, "Fuck you." Sorry, I said, fuck "You." Um, I don't need you or the meetings. I'm, I'm out, you know, and, and so eight years of my life was gone and that job was gone. And um, I had managed to get an assistant assistant manager position at another restaurant. And um, and so I was working at that restaurant. Somebody was having a going away party and I went to the party and I had been drinking all day. At that point I had to drink all day. I could not not drink. Um, and so woke up in the morning and, and once again in an unfamiliar bed with unfamiliar people and uh, didn't know where I was and, and walked out of the house and saw my car, and I was like, okay, that's good. And then, and then it turns out I was two blocks from my house, and I was in and out of a still a blackout from the night before, and, and so I remember getting to my car, and I remember going home. And my dad was in town from Hawaii, and he walks out the door, and he said, I can't do this anymore, and I said, neither can I. And um, I came to in my closet with my mom over me, and um, I couldn't even put my pants on. I couldn't even put my pants on, and that's where I was. I was this 28, 28 or 29 year old woman who couldn't put her own pants on, you know. And and, um, and apparently I had called my mom and I said I'm done. I said I need help, and she said I'll be right over. And my mom knew about detox because when I was sober the first time, she had she had I had I had done this for her. Uh, she called me and she needed help and. And, um, and so I took her to the detox. And so she did that for me. And, and on the way to the detox, uh, again, don't remember a lot. They, they, they couldn't put me in detox right away. I had to be in the hospital for 12 hours to get my blood alcohol down to a point where I could be entered in. Um, I should have been dead, for sure. Um, and, and so getting to the detox, and my family's a mess, what are we going to do with her, what do we do with her? And I'm happy as a clam on my detox medication and and had no intention of going to treatment, none at all. And um, my aunt, who lives in Southern California, um, has been sober 24 years now, and uh, so they called her and they said, what do we do with her? And she said, we have treatment centers in California, why don't you bring her out here? And I said, um, I said, I'm not going anywhere without my dog. I had adopted a little pug named Norman two weeks before, and um, I said, I'm not going anywhere without Norman. And she said, great, I have pugs as well. Um, I'll fly up there, we'll drive you and Norman to Southern California, and um, I'll take care of him while you're in treatment. And it was kind of a serendipitous, definitely God intervened in this one um, situation, and I managed to to get to California. And I went to, to Hogue Hospital in Newport um, for treatment, and, and, and I listened, and the drive down from Montana to California, Annie was was <laughs> just looking at me like this the whole time because she, she knew me when I was sober, and, and now she's seeing her, her niece um, just destroy this disease, you know, just destroyed and broken, and... Uh, AND SO I WENT TO TREATMENT AND I, I JUST ABSORBED EVERYTHING I COULD, EVERYTHING I COULD FROM THAT PROGRAM AND, and IN BETWEEN I WENT TO MEETINGS AND um, I DID A PARTIAL HOSPITALIZATION PROGRAM BECAUSE ANNIE'S HOME WAS SOBER AND ANNIE ALLOWED ME TO STAY WITH HER DURING MY TREATMENT AND, and THERE'S SOME FACES IN HERE TONIGHT FROM THE FIRST MEETING I WENT TO uh, IN ORANGE COUNTY IN RANCHO SANTA MARGARITA AND, and um, and I had no intention of staying in California, because I had a, a, a home and a white picket fence and a husband back in Montana. You know, I had those things. Um, I, had, I had things still. Um, and, and then I just couldn't leave. Because what I got here, what I found here, um, it's not that I couldn't find it anywhere because I can, because Alcoholics Anonymous is anywhere. Um, but I started to find myself again. And, and I started to work a program and work with a sponsor. And um, the sponsor took me through the steps, and, and I conceded to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic. There is no doubt in my mind that I'm an alcoholic. I know that when I pick up a drink, I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know how much I'm going to drink. And, and I know that because of, because of my relapse. I'm so grateful for my relapse. You know, it led me to the gates of insanity and death. Um, But it also made me realize that I know, without a shadow of a doubt, that I am an alcoholic, which is such a big, huge, amazing part of this program, is just realizing, you know, completely doing a thorough step one. And I am powerless. I am powerless over alcohol. Um, And so so I stayed in California, and uh, the husband was still in Montana and, and that wasn't gonna work and he wasn't gonna move here and, and so I went through a divorce in sobriety and, and I lost my house in sobriety and I, I lost the car in sobriety. I lost all the things. Literally God took away every single thing from my life that was not serving me anymore. And I said to my sponsor one day, I said, Why? why is why is everything leaving? And she explained to me, you know, that God need needs a clean slate for me because I'm ready, because I'm ready to build from the foundation into the person that God intended me to be, and I truly believe that. Um, what time is it? Okay, I have time. Um, so, I moved to California, and um, and life has not been life has not been perfect. You know, life is not not rainbows and butterflies and unicorns at all. Um, but it is it. I have become this person that I don't recognize. I have become this person that I've always, always wanted to be. And uh, I get to walk women through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, sponsoring sponsoring women is the biggest joy of my life, to be honest, because I, I look at them and I see how broken they are and I see where they're at and I can relate to them. And that's one of the reasons this program is just so beautiful. Um, I. Uh, I, it's fun. so I, I think about how I did own the house and I did own the car and I had all the things right. And then about two years ago, I stopped paying my car payment and my car got repossessed. And um, I live in this this apartment with this family now. And um, and I've I I my life looks nothing like I thought it was going to. Uh, but it's it's more than I could ever, ever, ever have imagined it to be, you know? And, um, um, sorry. (laughs) Um, so, so today I, um, I get this relationship today with God. So I didn't have I didn't have a God in my life. Um, I did not have a God in my life ever. Um, but I read or heard somewhere in um, Alcoholics Anonymous that that God is not. I do not need to find God. I seek Him because God is not lost. Um, and so through working the, the the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, I found this power that's greater than me. Um, that fills that hole in my soul, that void in my soul um, that I spoke of. You know, that, that little girl at five years old who's jumping off the deck. She, she, it's been filled. And I know that if I keep working this program that it's going to continue to stay filled, but I have to work the program, you know. And the, one of the most beautiful things about Alcoholics Anonymous is that it's a It's a simple program. Uh, It's not easy, but it's simple. And the design for a living that's outlined in that book, it works, and it works in every aspect of my life. My thinking is like the the happy birthday to the birthday uh, woman. She was talking about her thinking. My thinking is flawed. Um, My thinking, my alcoholic thinking will get me to dark, dark places. And my alcoholic thinking wants, it wants to kill me. It does. It wants to kill me, and a lot of times it speaks louder than, than the the sober thinking. You know, than the God voice. My my voice speaks louder than the God voice, and and so I have to, to I have to define what those those who's talking. You know, and um, I heard that once that God speaks once, and he speaks quietly. So if I have a thought in my head that's very loud and it's obsessive. It's probably not God. Um, I also learned that, that you know, my thoughts precede my actions, and so not, no action is taken without a thought, and, and God can help me with that. You know? And if you're uncomfortable with the word God, I was too. I couldn't say that word uh, without cringing and feeling icky for, for probably about the first year of my sobriety. Um, and now God to me is my, it's, it's of my own understanding, and um, it's the most, it's so beautiful, the relationship I have with my higher power, because I am not, I am not it. It is not me. It's something bigger than me, and my whole life I tried to run the show. My whole life I tried to be in charge, and I, I got myself to the, this dark, pitiful place, and uh, God pulls me out of that, you know. And I think back on all the times that, that I could have died, should have died, should have killed someone else, um, and, and I didn't. And I know God was there for that, you know. But I also know that, that things happen in life, and um, it's not God's fault, and um, I, I can't blame God, you know. And um, I, I have a disease that, that consumes me with fear. I am in so much fear all the time. Um, but if I'm in fear, I know it's because of one of my instincts, one of my God-given instincts, is being threatened. You know, and I can work through it, and so I can I can look at my part in things, and and I can I can see that it's me. It's always me. There's always something that I've done or can do differently, um, and it's not other people anymore. I'm not angry anymore. That little ball of rage that I spoke of at the beginning, she's not here anymore. You know, and 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 my life has been completely transformed by this program and i also heard once that once you hear a truth you can't unhear that truth and and i hear a lot of truths in this program and and so i know that if i ever got to the point where where i um a drink sounded good um those truths would be very loud in my mind you know and and um i know that if i ever pick up a drink again i might not make it back we don't we don't all get seats here, and I don't know why I was lucky enough to make it back. I don't know that answer, um, but I do know I'm completely grateful for it. Um, my, my relationship with women today has been completely transformed. I have friendships. Um, I, have, I have people in my life that I would do anything for, and they would do anything for me. And when I got here, I didn't have friendships. I didn't. My phone did not ring. Um, I would, you know, I'd sit in bed, literally sit in bed with my bottle of vodka, watching Intervention, um, saying, I, I'm not that bad, you know? I'm just waiting for my phone to ring. Um, and and it, it would never ring. Got it. Um, and today my phone rings like crazy, sometimes to the point where I'm like, stop ringing, you know, just leave me alone. <laughs> um, but that's the isolation part of me that wants to hide in the corner and not, not um, be around people. Uh, but this program has given me life today. It has not given me things. I don't have things because of this program. I don't have, you know, um, these nice fancy cars and this big house and, and you know, all of these things um, that I thought when I got sober, I thought that if I was just sober and a good girl, I would get those things. But I don't have those things. I don't want those things today. Um, I have a peace and a serenity and a love for myself, um, and that self-esteem that I talked about that I, that I spoke of that was just crushed, um, by those humans. Um, it's been built back up and I've done an incredible amount of work on myself to love myself today. I remember on my wedding day, looking in the mirror, and I'm all, you know, done up, and the hair, and the makeup, and the dress, and I'm done up, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I can't see anything. I can't see anything. My eyes are dead. There's nothing behind it, and um, I can look at myself today. I can look myself in the mirror today, and I can be proud of that person, and I can be proud of that woman, and I can be so grateful for the things that have happened to me, and that I get to pass on what was taught to me and, um, you know, I, I was with some friends today at the at the, the chili cook-off thing and they were talking about um, Alcoholics Anonymous and, and saying, not saying bad things about it, but just saying it's like not their favorite thing. And um, I do not feel that way today because Alcoholics Anonymous has given me a life. It's given me, a, it's given me a reason. It's given me a purpose. I have a purpose today. And it's to be a sober woman, you know. It's to be a sober woman and help other women who are struggling. Um, And and it's to share my experience, strength, and hope. And it's to become this person that God intended me to be. And uh, and I'm so grateful. I am so grateful for that. And I hope that I never, that I'm never not grateful for those things. I hope that I never forget where I was, you know, on September 28th of 2015. I hope I never forget where I was. Um, because I need, to, I need to remember that empty, awful, icky feeling. I don't need to dwell on it, but I need to remember it so that I can, I can see how far I've come, you know, and, and, and I have a sponsor who has a sponsor, and, and I sponsor women, and they sponsor women, and, and it's just this beautiful, amazing life that I get to live today, and I thank you guys so much for listening.